On the line, we have Dwyer Murphy, author of An Honest Living, a new novel that, uh, well, it's gotten great reviews, um, most recently by the New York Times. You got to be happy with that, Dwyer. Yeah, that was pretty thrilling to see. <laughs> it was nice to open up my own newspaper and, uh, and see, a re- see a review of the book. That was a thrill. And uh, when you say your newspaper, you're, you're a New Yorker. And um, <laughs> that's right. I'm originally from Massachusetts. So I've got a real split identity here. Where I'm where in Massachusetts, because I'm I grew up in Boston. OK, I'm from a town called Wareham down on the south coast of Massachusetts. Sure. Uh, yeah. Sort of uh, right before you get onto Cape Cod. But I'm, yeah. I'm a New Yorker. So I wear my Red Sox hat around New York and I take the <laughs> jeers and the, <laughs> and the insults all day long. Well, very good. Well, hey, you know, the Yankees don't need any more help than they're getting already. So you're doing fine. Um, the book, the book, you know, Honest Living, it, it's it's got so many things in it. It's 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 got relations. And I don't know if relations is the right word. Film noir comes to mind. And I, I think it's been brought out by some of these reviews. Um, I know there's references in the story to film noir films. Um, it's also very much uh you know, your, your take on New York, you've got a lot in there in the city and places that only, only somebody who lives there would know. And, uh, being an attorney, uh, originally, uh, you've got a lot of that in there, a lot, lots of interesting things, uh, lawyer type stuff, shall we say, um, you put it all together there. Yeah. The concept is it's a, there's a lawyer who's working at uh, one of these big corporate midtown firms and he decides he can't take it anymore. So he goes out on his own in solo practice and he's trying to make a, a go of it as a, a neighborhood lawyer. And he finds himself sitting out on his stoop, uh, drinking coffee and reading the newspaper, waiting for cases to come in. So he's sort of a private eye and uh, fits into that noir tradition. And as the story goes on, mysteries present themselves at his doorstep. But I, I was excited to talk with you about some film noir because I know that you're you're a you're a film noir buff, and that that really was the kind of influence for this novel was a version of New York City that I lived in for a long time, where my life was revolving around walking around to movie theaters and waiting outside and catching the latest repertory. And I I moved to New York in large part because of the movie theaters. I mean, I had to go to law school there, so I suppose I was signed up for a stint. But I really wanted to go to that version of New York where there was a movie house on every other block. And that's what your life revolved around was going to the movies. So uh, I hope that worked its way into the book, but that's, that's what I wanted to capture that vision of New York and kind of bleeds into an old noir. Yeah, no, I think you got it. Um, when, what do you think is the allure of film noir now? You know, these many years later, I mean, we, we don't want to debate the bit about, defining film noir because that's that's a, an ongoing thing but those movies of the 40s and 50s primarily black and white that were often b movies or, or however you want to characterize them but their popularity now uh seems to be uh, you know unhindered uh just just carry on whereas other films of that era are are, are you know are they're there but they don't have the uh, the clout that film noir seems to what 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 do you uh why do you think that is to me, it's the attitude. I think the atmosphere of them, right? There's this sort of feeling of fatefulness and also just characters who have an open mind towards the world and are 
cunning and ready to hustle and fight their way through. And that, that never goes away. The world is, the world is always going to present itself as a mark and you're going to have to decide whether you can hustle it or not, whether you can get by on your wits. And there's something about those old noirs, I think that has that, that real feeling of doom and fate on the horizon and people who are going to try to skate by it as long as they can, but kind of have a, a recognition that it's going to catch up with them eventually. That's, that's to me, the, the atmosphere of an old noir and that that never goes out of style you uh, you mentioned uh, touch of evil the orson wells uh charlton heston uh, who else is in there <laughs> there's a, quite a few folks in there uh in the in the book in in your book uh, an Oz living uh, is there a, a film noir now we know about the the classics is there one that you particularly like you recommend to people uh or or just have an uh, an interest in your own when you you watch it again yeah, so Touch of Evil was important for me to have in this book because I did have an actual experience where I went out to see Touch of Evil and then immediately afterwards saw Roman Holiday. And for some reason, <laughs> those two movies, very, very Two different, different ones, yeah. Yeah, they, they somehow collided in my mind. And I, I, I think I had, a, I had a very uncanny experience, but I also liked that, that opening shot in Touch of Evil. Which oh, yeah. Famous right. and celebrated. Sure. Always introduces you into this world in such an uncanny way and I I got in the book there's this feeling that to me that the characters are almost aware in touch of evil that they exist within this movie and that everything's going going to going to end up poorly for them but they can't quite get out of it and they can't they don't they don't quite want to it's a very strange experience but for me the movie that I I recommend to people often and that I worked into this book as well I actually reworked the entire chronology of this novel with my editor to make sure that the characters could go see a screening of Army of Shadows, the great Melville movie, uh, when it oh, was yeah. shown at the Film Forum in downtown New York City in 2006. I, it was important to me because there was this moment in New York where it felt like everybody I ran into was trying to go catch a Melville show down at the Film Forum because they were showing a repertory of it. And it was the first time that Army of Shadows was going to show in the US. And it really felt like for a small window, and I know this isn't true. I know that not everybody in New York cared about it. It's this kind of niche group of people. But for a, about two weeks, it really felt like everybody was going to or from the film forum. And you would run into everybody in New York around that movie theater and talking about these old French noirs. And what a strange and beautiful experience to get to be a part of for a little while. A town where everybody is going to see a French noir. That's just, that's, that's a wild experience. And I, I remember my dad actually came down from Boston to see that one with me. And we, we walked around New York all day afterwards, pretending we were part of the French resistance and calling each other by code names and funny little <laughs> operations around the town. And it was just, that's the version of New York I, I moved here for. It was, it was beautiful. We're talking, talking with Dwyer Murphy, the author of An Honest Living. And also, Dwyer, you're also the editor uh, editor-in-chief of crime reads uh, a very interesting website um it's got book reviews on there it's got features i i love some of the features well first of all how long have you been doing that with crime reads about five years now and it's it's true it is an odd job i used to be a lawyer a litigator here in new york and left that to try to make a go of it in the book world and uh ended up with this crime website that's called crime reads from literary hub and we get to just 
we read crime fiction all day long. It's uh, it's a strange it's a strange job, and I'm very grateful to have it and to have some great colleagues who do it with me. Uh, and I know people ask me, "That's that's your day job? You you read crime fiction all day?" And <laughs> yes, I I do. I get to read mysteries and thrillers and crime fiction, and get to write about them and think about them. And it's such a such an exciting time for people who like crime fiction, mysteries, noir, thrillers. It's there's so much great stuff out there and people who are kind of shaping where the genre is going to go. So I, I feel very fortunate to have the job. Well, and you've got some great uh, features on there. I went to your website just to kind of take a look at it. And um, let me just give the titles of, and the people can picture their own or go back and read them on their own. Fiona Barton's favorite thrillers featuring female detectives. That's, that sounds interesting. Then you've got Cheesy Murder. This is a Paula Meunier story, Deadly Role of Cheese in Crime Fiction. Now, you don't see those articles everywhere. Another one on, on Quinn Martin, the producer of all those TV shows in the 70s and how he kind of dominated the scene. There's a great big picture there of uh, streets of San Francisco, you know, and I thought, oh, my goodness, I haven't seen that one in years. But there they are. And of course, Fugitive is, is a Quinn Martin production. You know, you know, this is a total aside here, but I thought one of the beauties of Quinn Martin was using William Conrad as a narrator because yes. there's the voice of of doom or or, or whatever. Now, there's a huge radio presence that William Conrad was, and he brought him over to TV, and there is Jansen going down the the wet street uh, at the end yeah, of the that show. Voice. That voice is sort of inextricable. Oh from my that god! Era I, I just love that voice. crime show, right? <laughs> well, and you and you must have uh, know, seen this going in because I don't know when it started, but the whole business of crime, uh, the interesting guy, I don't think it's ever been not there. We've always had an interest in it. The the you know the murders and all that stuff. That's page one. But you know now you have true crime as almost a uh, a genre. It is a genre. And people watch these things, listen to podcasts, and it's it's. Are you caught up in that, or what? Do, how do you look at that? Yeah, you know, it's funny. People often talk about like the true crime wave or boom, and it's true that it's very popular now, and I think people are doing more interesting things with it than ever. But it's like you said, it's always been the front of our minds and the the top of our interest in my book and honest living these rare book dealers are dealing in old true crime pamphlets, essentially these trial pamphlets that for the early days of American publishing, even this was the most popular stuff that was being printed. These little pamphlets that would, you know, somebody would sit around a really salacious murder trial for a couple of weeks and then write up their version of the events. And if they could, they could uh, bribe a jail guard, then they would get a confession from the person who was about to be executed. And that would be an especially good book. But these things were printed by the thousands and thousands. And this was, these were the blockbusters of their era. And it was also kind of how Americans, it was popular culture, but it was also how we got to know ourselves and what kind of a country we were going to be. Because there weren't, there was no court TV back then. And there was no, you know, you, you couldn't necessarily read about crime anywhere else. So you, you didn't get a vision of what was happening in parts of the country. So that's part of how we, conceived of ourselves as Americans in the early days was reading true crime. I think in a lot of ways, that is part of how we we've come, we came to define ourselves as a nation. Talking with Dwyer Murphy, author of An Honest Living. Well, let me ask you, Dwyer, is that, uh, 
and a lot of what you have in the book is, is based on your own experience and based on true, 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 uh, true crime. Um, are those pamphlets very valuable now? Not as valuable as probably my characters believe. As you made them out to be. <laughs> it's a bit of a Maltese Falcon situation. They are okay. kind of your, the MacGuffin, but it's true that they are valuable in some of the best collections of the world. They're, they're all over the place. A lot of li law libraries around the country have these great collections of grisly old trial pamphlets. I mostly went uh, to the New York Historical Society. It's got an amazing collection. And it's this beautiful old building on Central Park where you can go in and the librarians there are fantastic and you can ask them for a collection of you know these trial pamphlets from the 19th century and they'll bring you they'll bring you these little books that are they're practically falling apart in your fingers because they were made cheaply you know they weren't made to stand the test of time but the ones that did it really feels like you're holding on to holding on to history all right well we're talking talking with dwyer murphy about uh, crime and his book an honest living uh now What's next for you? you? You're obviously a busy guy, Dwyer. You've got the, the editing, the, the website. This, this crime thing is, is rampant. Um, what, you've got another book in mind, or what's, what's on your to-do list? Yeah, there's going to be a book a year for a while. So next, oh, summer, wow. I'll, uh, next summer, I'll have a heist novel out. Uh, it's called Stolen Coast, and we'll be announcing more about that soon. And then the summer after that, hopefully, uh, if every... If, everything keeps according to schedule, there'll be a sequel to An Honest Living set in Miami. That's kind of a, an Elmore Leonard homage. Very good. Well, it's, it's fascinating watching it. Now, we, we started or we, we've circled around it and, and film noir has come up several times. Um, where do you see that going? Because, I mean, how do you look at, for instance, neo-noir uh, films today that, that have noir elements or whatever? And, and I don't want to get too picky about it because... To me, there's room for everybody. But um, what's your thought on that? Is, is it worthwhile staying or, or concentrating on, on the so-called classics that came out of the, the you know, post-World War II era? Or what's, what's, your, uh, what's your angle on that? There's some great stuff being made today, but I'll, I'll admit that I'm partial to, I would say, the neo-noirs of the early 70s and then the classic noirs of the 50s tend to be things I return to time and again but there's some really great stuff being made today too and you know i mean obviously tv and movies uh are that media landscape is changing rapidly but i'd consider something like better call saul is coming to its conclusion i think this is the this week or this month <laughs> and to me to me better call saul is one of the one of the great noirs of the contemporary era and really you know noir to the bone when you really get down to what that show is doing that's the kind of that's the kind of lawyer uh, story I like to read or watch. So uh, I'll take Better Call Saul as a, a modern classic. Well, one last thing. We're talking with Dwyer, Dwyer Murphy. Dwyer, for your website, for the Crime Reads website, have you considered, uh, and this is me thinking about lists, a 100 top crime movies uh, listing that would inc incorporate Better Call Saul right on through a touch of evil or whatever, anything like that in, in the to-do list there? I like that idea. We had a, we had a list of the hundred greatest movies, crime movies of all time that was done by Otto Penzler for a while. I okay. like the idea of doing something that was, that's completely cutting across genres because right. to me, it doesn't matter if it's a book, a movie or a TV series, it's all, oh, that'd be great. It's all the same culture. Right. So I, I like that idea. I think maybe we can collaborate on that. <laughs> 
Very good. Well, Dwyer, it's been a pleasure, and we, we wish you the best with the new book, An Honest Living. It's Dwyer Murphy, and uh, get check out the Crime Reads, the website, because fascinating reading there, too, plus lots of information about books uh, that, that are, aside from An Honest Living, all kinds of books. And uh, best of luck to you, Dwyer. Thanks so much for having me, Steve. It's fun to yep. talk some more. Appreciate it. <laughs> Take care. Take care.